and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and much, much more. And of course, with me as always are my co-hosts, Chad Schonk and Ryan Schweck, and we will go ahead and turn it over to Chad. This is just a reminder that this is a book club, not a review show. We will be talking as if you have either done the reading or don't care if it's spoiled for you. In addition, we may be referencing any number of other Star Wars stories, including the current season of Clone Wars on Disney Plus. So consider yourself warned. I have spoken. Uh, Ryan, uh, do we have any news this week? Yeah, you know, it's a pretty slow week for news, um, which, you know, with everything going on, plus the time of the year is pretty normal. But there are a few interesting things. Um, One, Hallmark released this year's christmas ornament selection uh which is usually nothing that to write home about you know your normal x-wing tie fighter there's a mando you know it's fine but the reason that i bring it up is because this year they have an amazing darth vader admiral mahdi uh, ornament tell me more (laughs) it is him sitting in his chair and vader straight up killing him (laughs) Oh, and shit. It, it's called a lack of faith. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever to put on a Christmas tree. That's, like, that's, that's, Christmas. that's for Christmas. Yep. Coming this Christmas, this lack of faith. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say slow news day, but uh, you redeemed it there at the end. That's pretty it's, cool. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I wait, cannot wait to own this. You, what you didn't mention, is there any, any ornaments for the child? Uh, they're not. And that's they came out with. They're what? only Mandalorian that they showed was him, and it's not even him in his best guard. It's in that first uniform. Um, now, might they come out with more? Because they kind of list this as a sneak peek in their dream book. So there might be more. Um, there's definitely nothing as exciting as last year. The um, story ornaments. Have you guys seen these? I didn't. I used to keep I up, but I've kind of I've kind of fallen off. I do have several Star Wars ornaments, but then I got married and, um, you know, things change. So they concluded it last year and it's I think it's one, two, three. It's about eight ornaments. Um, it's a Y wing, an A wing, the Falcon, a TIE fighter, the Death Star, and you hook them all together. And when you push a button, it does an abbreviated version of a new hope. It's amazing. And they light up depending on like where they're supposed to be and where they're talking. And it's really cool. But anyway, that was last year. Um, Yeah. So the lack of faith is really cool. The second thing that came out this week, um, there was a leak of Rosario Dawson's contract. Um, So it appears that that was confirmed. But the interesting part is the contract is not listed for multiple seasons of the Mandalorian. The contract reads for multiple shows. Um, so it kind of, and you don't mean multiple episodes. You mean multiple series. It's multiple series. Yeah. Um, and so it looks more and more like we're going to get live action Ahsoka possibly with Sabine. So possibly with her own show. Yeah. Yeah. And then since it's a a slow news week, I just wanted to bring up to people, if you are online and you are seeing anything about Star Wars or Marvel or really any of it, and the source is wegotthiscovered.com. Run away. Do not listen to it. (laughs) Do not share it. 
Do not they, click like. Don't even comment on it. They are they terrible. They do not have it covered. They do not. It is the most clickbait spam nonsense. It's so many fan sites like link to it, like even official Star Wars ones do, and it's just ridiculous. But it's so worse than it cool ever was. Oh yeah, it's amazing. So anyway, that was all we had for this week. Uh, cool. So um, our book this week, we're going to talk about E.K. Johnston's novel Ahsoka from, was it three years ago, I think? Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Ahsoka tells the story, of course, of a Jedi who survived Order 66. And one thing that I was going to ask uh, Beth, when we were growing up, we we thought the only Jedi, we were told that the Emperor and Vader got rid of all the Jedi, and, and we, we assumed that the only two Jedi left were Obi-Wan and Yoda. But through the years, storytellers, a lot of them novelists, comic writers, and, and video games as well, have added more survivors uh, to the story, both in the expanded universe and now in the new canon. Do you? What do you think of that that trend? Because is it does it add more to the story, or does it kind of take away the specialness of of uh, Obi Wan and Yoda? I feel like it's it's a little of both, because with thousands and thousands of Jedi all across the galaxy, it would make more sense that there just be more than two Jedi that get away. It it would make more sense that there are dozens if not even a hundred that managed to survive it does take away a little bit from the magic of it just being these two guys left but i i don't know i'm torn on it because i do feel like in a way it does make sense but also in a way it oh they're not so special anymore no, I, I, I think it's a little bit of both, too. Ryan, I know you play games and read the comics, too, so you've experienced a lot of these characters. Right. Um, what, what's your reaction normally when they when it's yet like when uh, Fallen Order came out and it's yet another Jedi that survived the purge? I, you know, I'm OK with it. I think it makes sense because, you know, why wouldn't some of them just throw their lightsaber down, take their hobo robe off and just be some normal guy? Um it gives you a little more, you know, story to see them go a little longer. I mean, really, by the time you get to A New Hope, though, I mean, even the ones we've survived, we've seen a lot of them killed already. Um, a few, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we know who still – who do we know? I mean, the only ones confirmed, really, we know are still kicking around is Ahsoka, right? What about Cal? Well, I think they haven't confirmed Cal. Um, okay. Wait, I thought Quinlan Voss was still alive somewhere. Quinlan Voss is, uh, yeah, he's assumed he's assumed alive. Yeah. Um, there's also there's yeah there's Ahsoka. Obviously, Kanan isn't around uh, mm-hmm. by the time the movie starts. Because that's one thing I, I was noticing is I'm fascinated by how storytellers explain. <laughs> well, they they create these Jedi and then they have to explain why they're not present in the later stories and, and why they weren't part of the rebellion. You know, they had to kill Kanan. They had to, to, to make Ezra disappear for years. Years. People lived in fear of what was going to happen to Ahsoka by yeah. the end of Clone Wars. And so it, it's always interesting to me, the kind of the hoops they have to go through and Cal, Cal and, and Seer, right. Are still out there, I guess, technically. Uh, technically right now they are. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're going to make a sequel to that game and. Yeah. Maybe we'll. 
we'll see who's around at the end of that one. The only other question I have about this, because it is something that that uh, it, it tended to bother me a little bit in the expanded universe because it just got a little nuts. But is that uh, if all these Jedi are still out there, if Yoda and Obi-Wan and Kanan and Cal and Quinlan Voss get together, they couldn't take out Palpatine? They got to get through a lot of stuff to get to Palpatine, though. It's, it's a not pretty like powerful he's just group. hanging out. No, it is, but it's but Luke did it. I mean, it's a pretty powerful. Luke trained for like a week and a half. Like it just seems, I don't I don't know. It, it just that's one thing that always strained it for me is the more Jedi that they added that survived it, the more it made them feel like cowards. Yeah. Well, yeah. but there's not a organized effort against the Empire really until you know Rogue One. You know, right around when Rebels was, um, and so at that point it would be you versus the whole Empire. Um, and you know, he Obi Wan told him to go hide. Like, yeah, you no, that's wait true. And regroup. Even yeah. for six or seven Jedi, that's a lot to go against. Luke had an in because that's his dad, so he's got that nepotism thing going for him. It did, it did get him in the door. That's that's how we got away with it. Everybody else would have been fighting a really big uphill battle to get through there. Yeah. And Ahsoka tried and learned she was not up to the task. Well, yeah, it's true. Speaking of which, um, of my favorite Jedi who survived the Order, today we're going to talk about E.K. Johnson's novel, Ahsoka. Uh, I have a brief description. It's not too much because, uh, to me, the, the real good parts of this book don't really have a whole lot to do with the plot. But uh, beginning with her standoff against Maul during the soon-to-be-dramatized Siege of Mandalore, and ending with her firmly entrenched as the rebel operative known as Fulcrum, Ahsoka follows the path of Pado- Ahsoka follows the path of Padawan Tano as she grieves the fall of the Jedi and attempts to live a quiet life as Ashla, the mechanic. But her desire to hide from the Empire is topped by her innate sense of good, and Ahsoka finds herself not only helping friends in need across the galaxy, but eventually reuniting with Bail Organa and joining the fledgling fledgling rebellion. Um. That's that's a uh, the book goes back and forth between several different worlds, two main worlds. But to start off, um, I, I want to start the discussion like this. So Ahsoka, who's no longer a Padawan, tries to find a new life for herself, shows her aptitude as a mechanic, befriends a pair of sisters and eventually ends up in peril where she does the right thing. Am I talking about this novel or her current arc on Clone Wars? <laughs> Yeah, it's awful close. It's real close. It's very similar, is it not? <laughs> it is. Do, do you think now I know that when Johnson wrote this book, she was given some insider information and she was told to stay away from certain things and, and to hit certain beats. Does it to me it kind of watching this most recent arc, it feels like some of the things that they gave her they had intended to use in this season? Maybe? Uh-huh. Kind of some of the ideas. You know, I mean, like, like they're not the sisters aren't exactly the same. They're not the same as the Martez sisters, but it's still it's still pretty close, right? So she's yeah. just running around the galaxy saving sisters. If you don't have a sister, hell with you. <laughs> she's got a type. <laughs> she kind of does. Yeah. Um, she kind of does have a type. One thing I thought was interesting, and Johnson said this in interviews, and I actually said it when I saw her speak last year, was that. There originally was a lot more to the Siege of Mandalore chapter that it was all written out. You were going to see more of it and her, you know, running away into hiding. And Filoni and them came in and said, 
you cannot do this because at that point they were already working on Clone Wars and it hadn't been announced um, and hadn't told her. And so they said, okay, you can have this ending with Order 66 happening here and Maul getting away kind of in the chaos of it. But that's it. But that's, yeah. that's my biggest problem with the beginning of the book is I felt like something happened that I missed. I'm like, wait, did, was there like an entire five episode arc of Clone Wars that I just didn't know about? Yeah, it starts tomorrow. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. at the time I read this book three years ago, I did not know that. And I was pissed because I was like, wait, I need to see what happened here. Why, why isn't anybody showing me how we got here? Yeah. It is well, a problem with the book to start off with something so cool. Right. Is Ahsoka staring down Darth Maul on a flaming Mandalore and then cutting away? Well, and it makes me wonder, like, I was trying to figure out the timing when I was kind of thinking about it now. So if Order 66 happens there, that means that Anakin and Obi-Wan in this season of Clone Wars are going to leave her there yep. with Maul. Yeah. Yep. And just be like, all right, see ya. Yeah, the book clearly had the moment where Anakin and Obi-Wan are going off to save the Chancellor. Yeah. Yeah. And and Anakin gives Ahsoka her lightsabers and said, you got this, kid. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting scene. I mean, surely they're going to show that on Clone Wars. I wouldn't be surprised if they have, because that's their goodbye moment. It was so detailed that I can't imagine that wasn't straight from Filoni's notes. Mm -hmm. Just just felt that way. But it is a little I I agree, Beth. It's a little uh, confusing to open the book that way and then suddenly uh, cut. But. Uh, I think Johnson is considered a YA writer. Um, did this book feel that way to you guys? Not at all. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't either. I think this is technically qualified as young adult, but I thought her writing – I like her writing. I think it's very sharp. It didn't feel – again, YA books can be well-written, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but it, it didn't It didn't feel that way, other than the fact that it was dealing with young characters. Right? I, I think – that's why maybe it got the YA listing or that she's already a YA author, but it didn't feel young adult. <laughs> yeah, the only way I knew it was young adult is when I read the book, it had the larger print type that YA books have. <laughs> you can always tell when you're reading a YA because for some reason they think children can't see. <laughs> well, and I think we talked about this before. I have not read this book. I have just listened to it twice because the audiobook is written by – and I, I need to apologize. It's actually Eckstein, not Eckstein. I said X, sixteen last week, um, and uh, she read the audiobook of Ahsoka, and so it's really great to hear Ahsoka reading Ahsoka's story. However, this book has one of the frustrating, not frustrating, uh, one of the conf- confounding things about this book to me is it has these cutaways to different characters uh-huh. that have nothing to do with the main narrative, that put us in the point of view of characters that aren't in the story and that aren't Ahsoka. And so while it's very effective to have Ahsoka reading the Ahsoka chapters, when it all of a sudden cuts to Obi-Wan's thoughts sitting on Tatooine, yeah, it was odd to me that that was in this book. Did that strike anybody else as kind of out of place? Even As entertaining as those sections may have been. Well, so I didn't mind the cutaway to, to like the Inquisitor because that's, to me, really, that was kind of interesting stuff. Um, I think one of the strengths of her writing was the way she wrote Ahsoka's thoughts felt like the way you would think Ahsoka would think. It felt really like her. And that was great. But then cutting to 
you know, Bale sitting around thinking about things or the guy who's crunching numbers for the Empire about Raida. I, I don't care. But I also did not care about a lot of the characters in this book. I was a, I, I liked them a little bit more, but I agree that, I mean, at least the Inquisitor is part of the story. Bale at the end of the book becomes part of the story. Uh, but when it, yeah, but when it cut to Obi-Wan, I was like, there's no real reason for us to be here. Um, and especially in, from Obi-Wan's point of view, it just felt like a stretch. It felt a little, little, uh, shoved in there just to get the characters into the book when it wasn't really part of the story. Uh-huh. Did that strike you, Ryan, at all? Any of that stuff? Cause there's a lot of these little cutaways or a handful at least. Yeah, I didn't mind them, but I kept waiting for there to be a reason that they were there. Like, somehow it was going to tie in that, you know, Obi-Wan can talk to Qui-Gon now. We're going to see Ahsoka talk to somebody or, you know, something that would just bring it in. And that didn't really happen. That's that's true. Um, I want to talk about some of the... Like I said, the plot of this book is fine. It's Ahsoka basically being Bruce Banner, or I guess more David Banner. <laughs> um, from the from the old Hulk series, just kind of going around and wanting to be quiet and then helping out people and being good. But this, uh, and I'll, I'll point, I'll, I'll slide this to Ryan real quick. This book is pretty heavy in new lore stuff, isn't it? I mean, it gave us a lot. Yeah, you know, you get the Inquisitors, you know, you get all the new stuff about the Kyber Crystals. Um, at some point she talks about going to Maz's castle, um, the kind of setup of the rebellion is more like new canon than the old canon was, like the beginnings right. of it with Bale, um, and all of them. I'm trying to think what else. Well, um, it, that was the stuff. The lightsaber stuff was the most interesting to me because it felt it, at first it didn't feel like uh, reading this the second time through. I'd forgotten that that's where this was from. The uh-huh. bleeding, the bleeding of the crystals. Uh-huh. for the Sith and that was that was brand new in this book and it felt like a pretty heavy lift for a first time Star Wars writer in a YA book you know to to kind of uh, launch into this really I mean heavy question that's been around forever which is why are their lightsabers red and the Jedi are, are not uh-huh. and this is the first of the new canon to explain it and I thought that was interesting it's not something I expected in the middle of this Ahsoka book but I mean, am I wrong? Or is this the first place this has been a, been approached, right? This is the first time they answered those questions. Yeah, I think this was the first time, and they showed kind of how you do it. Um, yeah. And you know, they I like they threw in some stuff for the old kind of canon, like Ashla. You know, the name that she uses is the old term for the light side of the Force, um, yes. and really old Star Wars. Um, which I thought was a really cool little detail. It's also the name of the Togruta girl, uh, Padawan, in uh, Episode Two. Oh, yeah. a little, the little the little girl that's training with Yoda. That's uh-huh. of the same race as Ahsoka. Her name was also Ashla. So oh. it would actually kind of make sense that Ashla would name herself after that. You know that Ahsoka would take the name of this deceased, you know, little girl from her home planet. Um, so let's see. I found I thought the lightsaber stuff was was cool. Um, everyone who watches Rebels knows that that Ahsoka ended up with uh, shows back up into the story with white lightsabers, something we haven't really seen before. Uh, did you like the depiction of that, Beth? Like how she got her white lightsabers? Was it 
Did it did it did it did it work for you? It absolutely did because I always wondered how she got those awesome badass white lightsabers yeah, when rad. she showed up in Rebels, and it's just like those are awesome. Why doesn't anybody else have those? And now it completely makes sense. Now I do have a lightsaber question. Sure. To to canon, if either of you can answer this, I received a few years ago a. Um, build your own lightsaber wall hanging kind of a lamp deal. And in the description on the back of the box, what I thought was interesting because this thing changes colors. It said that red Kyber crystals or red crystals for lightsabers were often synthetic. Now, is that a real thing? Cause it, I've only yes, ever seen that on this toy. That's yeah. yeah. But that's on a fairly recently released toy. Or, you know, I think his, that's what was assumed. And I think that was the fact until this book came out. OK. Yeah. I mean, it's relatively new. I mean, the red crystals, you have to bleed them. You've got to put them in your hand and concentrate all your hate in them. As shown in uh, uh, Ryan's favorite comic, The Rise of Kylo Ren. It, that he does do it at the end. And that actually that makes sense to me. I'm fine with that. It makes much more sense to me than them being able to manufacture fake crystals because otherwise wouldn't other people be trying to do that? And there was stuff in old canon about the synthetic crystals and they never like they would malfunction and I'm trying to remember. There was one where like they made it and you could slice through the lightsaber eventually because the crystal was um, not real. Um, but yeah, new new canon. You got to have Kyber. But I did like yeah. that the way she went looking for her crystals and, and the description of what they were doing to Ilum was kind of even upsetting to me. I was like, oh, how dare they? <laughs> and I didn't expect to have an emotional reaction to Ilum being destroyed or, or ter- torn apart, not destroyed, but kind of it's being destroyed. Um, I, I liked how she got the crystals. I liked how she got there and the story, the path it took to get us there. All these books have made me want to see like a scene now in the Death Star that's got the focusing array. Because, I mean... They destroyed Alum for it. They destroyed Jeddah for all these crystals for the Death Star. Like, that's got to be a giant room of crystal <laughs> that I think would be, like, really cool to see. See, what these new books have made me want is a story about the uh, ver- Star Wars version of Greenpeace. <laughs> because they very clearly, in the, especially in this new version, made it out that the Empire are very resource-hungry uh, non-environmentalists. <laughs> and that everywhere they go, they mine planets to death. And, yeah. Um, it's been very clear <laughs> on the agenda there. But so, so you know, just some kind of Greenpeace activists, they sit out on an X-Wing and I don't know. But um, I, I liked uh, – so, Beth, you said you weren't what, – what did you mean earlier when you said you didn't love the characters? Were there – did you not like the – were you not as in into the story um, on uh, – what were the planets called? Uh, right. right. Ada the best, and the best, the best. Guy. Tabasco, which sounds a lot like Themyscira, but um, yeah, uh, I did notice that the book kind of just went kind of ping-ponged back and forth between those locations. I, um, I found her friends on Raeda kind of bland. They were just like, and here's the guy who's going to be a jerk and get everybody in trouble, and then here's this other guy who's the one who kind of looks after everybody, and here's the sister who's wily and knows how to do things, and then her sister who has a crush on her. 
but the oh, but that was cute. It was cute, but it was still kind of like I don't, I don't care. You know, you're not going to get any action out of a Jedi yeah. unless well, you're going after Rail Abaros. And that's probably part <laughs> of your YA part that yeah. your side characters are more just kind of archetypes, and you got to understand them real fast. I was really, really more interested in the family that she was with on Thabeska that had that potential little Jedi hanging out with them. And A, the fact that she freaked out when she realized, oops, I left this little kid behind. And then the Inquisitor coming after them and kind of eyeballing the family and then her coming back to try to make it right. I was way more interested in that because I feel like the book touches on it, but I want to know more about what does happen to all of the Force-sensitive children or potential Jedi? Because the Empire can't find all of them. The Empire didn't take every single one of them. Otherwise, there'd be 10,000 Inquisitors out there. They've talked about, and I can't remember where it's at, but that when they sense it or they, you know, there's reports or whatever, or Vader feels it, he just goes and murders them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it's kind of what he keeps himself busy doing for 19 years. Yeah, is is murdering them. But yeah, I I, I like the farty the farties. I think yeah. the family. Uh, I like them a lot. I thought the the fact that Ahsoka kind of took a job for them as a smuggler, but a smuggler for good, kind of um, running supplies to people and everything was interesting. I liked Caden and Miara. Uh, I agree with you, but there was something to me endearing about Ahsoka just kind of sitting at a bar with a bunch of other teenagers. Um, It kind of reflects what she's going through in Clone Wars now where she doesn't really know how to interact with people her age, having grown up in the temple. And this was more, I I just, I liked how she was doing her best, but I also like just kind of how awkward the idea of, of Ahsoka who's been, you know, at the head of armies and, and has seen, the entire galaxy and his his killed and his his almost died a million times and all of a sudden she's just sitting around with these kids that are complaining that their threshers aren't working. Um, I found that kind of endearing and, and I enjoyed that part of it. I agree that the characters were were a little cookie cutter and I didn't find a whole lot. I didn't care a whole lot when they got killed. Um, real quick, uh, has Ahsoka these last is Ahsoka has Ahsoka shown before that she was handy? Before this, or is just as a result of her spending too much time with Sky Guy? Well, remember, her big brother taught her, as we learned. Right. Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. All right. So, I'm trying to remember. I know on Clone Wars, we've seen her help fix stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember anything specific, but I know I, I feel like that was not a surprise to me. Oh, no, it made sense. I just I couldn't remember because it's been a while since I've watched like all of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't remember if that was something they'd worked in or she was like good with good with mechanics like like uh, Anakin was. For some reason, I have a visual in my head. I could not tell you what episode it is or which ones of her like wearing goggles and welding and them like showing her doing stuff. One thing that I, I really appreciated uh, that I think Beth got to a little bit was how much this puts us in the mind of a Jedi or an ex-Jedi living with the guilt of surviving Order 66. The other bit of knowledge we got from this book was that Ahsoka and Rex faked their own deaths Yep. To, in order to uh, not be chased anymore, which I thought was interesting. 
that, that I believe in the official record they killed each other. But but the idea that that we got much more, you know, we, we always again, like I said earlier, people were sitting through Clone Wars going, is Anakin is is Ahsoka going to get killed by Anakin? Is she going to die before the series is over because she's not in episode three? What's going to happen? We found out what happened. But the idea that she's living with this, that she knows what happened, that she was she escaped it. Um, I thought that was really interesting. She had a passage where she was thinking about the younglings and she said she mentioned them being killed by a face they trusted. And while she means the clones, uh, she's wrong and right at the same time. And I thought that was a kind of a powerful idea that that she's just thinking about these kids not knowing who that face that they trusted really was. But how put this. Uh, did you like that depiction of of uh again it, it, how to explain this? we talked about these jedi before but this is the first one to me uh, the first experience i got where i really felt like someone was kind of living through the trauma of what happened yeah i think you know you see the survivor's guilt and almost a ptsd and at the same time she talks about like the force while she can still you know push and pull things she feels really cut off that she can't feel anybody anymore. And that you, she used to, I think I can't remember how they say it, but she used to be able to reach out and feel all the Jedi and all the force users. And now it's gone and she feels empty. Um, which, you know, could lead back to why the other ones don't do anything either. Where right. you don't feel yeah. anybody out there. Um, because they're all hiding in the force, I think. Right. It's not, ju- it's not just, right. they can't feel them. It's just that the force is, shattered it's hurting and everyone's kind of lost their connection a little bit to it mm-hmm. and 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 it's even the force itself has kind of almost gone over to the dark side in a way mm-hmm. and the and also if you're if you're hiding if you're a powerful as being if you're as powerful a being as yoda you would have to do a little bit to kind of shut yourself off so that palpatine couldn't feel you out there i mean according to the books palpatine can feel a tiny disturbance in the force in the unknown regions <laughs> Right. You think and, he would notice when Yoda was going to use the bathroom or something? I I know they haven't talked about it in new canon, but I know in old canon that's one of the reasons he's on Dagobah, is that Dagobah kind of masks him. Well, that's because um, of the, the dark side cave. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that idea that they all kind of shut themselves off. I mean, you see, you know, Cal does it in Fallen Jedi. Kanan essentially does it. Um, yeah. I mean, Luke does it, you know, obviously in in the the sequels. And that's also something even in, I believe, uh, Yulik Keldroma did it back in the Tales of the Jedi books. Mm-hmm. After he came back from the dark, he ended up losing his connection to the Force. That was his penance for his uh, trip to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I found, I don't know, I, I found that depiction of her her living with it really interesting. And it, and it was heartbreaking, just like on the show when, when she says that line about her, her older brother teaching her. Uh, how to how to fix things, you know, you, you get this real sense of loss. Um, but I also felt a little sad because Obi Wan is still out there, <laughs> and you know, and and did Obi Wan never think to reach out to her? Well, Bale knows where he's at. Yeah. Why did she not tell her? Like that guess part what? made me so mad. <laughs> well, th- we'll get to the Bale stuff. There's all sorts of questionable <laughs> things going on in that section. Well, go ahead. What what did you find problematic about the Bale stuff? I mean, you know, the book does find Ahsoka basically joining Bale's rebellion mm-hmm. because he he follows some uh, reports of Jedi activity. Yep. And, and finds her and then sends some guys to kind of kidnap her. 
kind of i don't know I, I don't know how to explain that but she stu- he she he sends a couple of pilots to find her and she ends up stunning them or something she tricks them she hides she her them. ship and r2 oh, that's right. hides her on the little thing and he sees her little head taily um so mr rebellion what was the problem with the bail stuff all right so here's the damn problem okay sure <laughs> there's there's a lot of problems the new canon is having a big issue with figuring out how and when the rebellion really starts and it changes from book to book you know in this book you see them bail send a wings to the planet to attack and to save the people. Um, I wasn't happy about the A-Wings. So, you know, if you read Leia, it, which takes place later, um, this book takes place, what, Leia's about five? Um, yeah, this takes place from like 18 BBY, because mo- a bulk of it takes place about a year after. Yeah. And then the rest of it covers, it seems like a few years. Yep. And then Leia takes place a few years after that, the Leia book. Yeah. Uh, the about Leia ten, book probably ten years after. Yeah. goes a lot into that they are not ready to fight back. They are not military, you know, against the Empire. Um, you know, that was supposed to be the whole big deal in Rogue One and in Rebels. Um, and that was supposed to be Hera's deal. You see it in um, A New Dawn. Isn't that what it is? Whatever yeah. that book's called. Um, New Dawn that she's the one that's kind of like, all right, we're going to start fighting. And that's why they're supposed to not like the partitions and all that kind of mess. But here you see Bale already openly rebelling, um, which doesn't line up to anything else. I was a little thrown off by that too. Um, It it, it felt too early Mm -hmm. (laughs) for him to be at the stage where he had fighters, Mm -hmm. where he literally had A-wing fighters. Um, And I, I think that was my problem too was that it, it felt the ending felt very rushed to me like we've spent all this time with ahsoka as a character building 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 oh all of a sudden hey i'm ready to join your rebellion now let's go well it means you have fulcrum i mean you know that's the end you can call me fulcrum now that means but, fulcrum was operating for 10 years right out there it just doesn't that, line up yeah that bugged me because we Wait, there's there's absolutely no time that passes in between her hooking up with Bale and her becoming Fulcrum. That doesn't make a bit of sense to me. She, yeah, I saw an interview with Johnson, which I recommend checking out interviews with her. She was just uh, uh, adorable and giddy about getting a chance to write Ahsoka. It was, uh, it's really really fun to see how much of a Star Wars fan she is. The interviewer and the one I saw asked her to recommend some of her other books, and she recommended Lost Stars and Kenobi. Because she just loved him so much. And she, the guy was like, no, your books. And she's like, oh, I, okay. But <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Lost Stars is the best Star Wars novel ever. And she's like, I was talking about you. But she said that when she was given the assignment, she was given a starting point and an ending point. So it was it was part of her dictate to get to that point of Fulcrum. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it is possible that she kind of told the story she wanted to and then had to just kind of cap it off. To get to where it was going, yeah. Because to me, if if you're gonna cover all that time, uh, you know, I I felt like this could have been three books. I felt like there could have been more than one book here, to right. get us to get you know, because there's because and I think there should be because uh, did it, as much as this book gives us and it it covers a decent amount of time. I mean, I want to see more. Yeah, that I mean, that was one of my problems with the the 
abruptness of it was, wait, there's so much stuff that could happen in between her meeting up with Bale again and then her coming into Rebels. There's there's at least two books in there of what she could be doing. Yeah, I'd like to see more of that, yeah. And I bet there probably will be. I mean, I'm sure they're holding off while Clone Wars finishes and then, well, I guess after the other shows occur after, so it wouldn't really matter. Um, but I you guess know, doing a sequel. And Johnson's, uh, she's currently doing a series about Padme. Right. Um, which uh, we'll maybe talk about, and uh, I enjoyed the first volume of it. But I do, I, I agree, and I think one of the things that frustrated me by the end as well is that I thought she did, uh, like Beth said earlier, captured Ahsoka's voice perfectly. Uh-huh. Now, part of that is I'm hearing the actress read it in the audiobook, so that helps. But it, it feels like, it did feel like all of a sudden it had to get the plot over with at the end all of a sudden. That like we were getting this cool character thing, we were getting all this new info about what was going on with the galaxy. I mean, I remember reading it the first time thinking, oh, because at the end of, um, what's it called, uh, The Wrong Jedi, or what's the last episode, Padawan Lost, right? Mm-hmm. Where she leaves. I didn't think her and Anakin would ever see each other again until this book came out. And then I was like, oh. And, and like Beth said, what was frustrating about the beginning was, uh, um, I was like, but, but, but that's important. <laughs> I didn't know they were ever going to talk again. And you're only giving me like a, a little blip of it. And uh, so it but I, I will say I enjoyed this book more than I did the last two Thrawn books, even though it feels almost just as much of a tie in, if not more. I thought this book took on more of a life of its own than than uh, definitely, I think, than Treason did. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. you know, and, and felt it managed to find more personal with those other characters. Um, I think it is important to point out, we, we kind of joked about it. I think it is important to po- point out the character of Caden. Um, I don't know timeline wise when this was, but this is a depiction of a, of a uh, non straight character in a star Wars book and an ostensibly YA star Wars book. So I thought, I think that's something worth noting um, uh, that in that, that uh, Ahsoka's rejection of her was more about, like you said earlier about being a Jedi than it was about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I thought, you know, that was something, I, I think I remember that was like a selling point, not a selling point, but that was like a new story before it even came out or something like that, that Ahsoka was going to get a little girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Miara turns out to be, her little sister ends up becoming a pretty badass uh, fighter pilot in the Rebellion. Um, as documented in, I think it's in, what's that book? For a Certain Point of View? Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Um, yeah. E.K. Johnson and Ashley, Ash- Ashley Eckstein wrote a story together that's about Miara uh, as a rebel pilot and like an intelligence officer for Alderaan or something. So little tidbit about the characters in it. Um, so where are we at? I, I wanted to talk about this book because uh, I really like the character, as I said before, and I thought it was... I don't know. I think it's I think it's a good book for people that are are both uh, big fans of Clone Wars because it, it does answer some questions about Clone Wars. It'll especially and it's going to be especially relevant over the next few weeks as we see the Siege of Mandalore that we're all excited to see what actually happens and what the and but I do say if you read this book you probably have a little bit of an idea, right? Like yeah, what do you think we're like how do you think bit, but... how do you think it's going to end now? What do you, what do you think this book tells us about the end of Clone Wars? 
Like, what's going to happen in that siege? Well, presumably, Order 66 is issued during the siege. After she's uh, caught Maul, right? Right. Well, and that's going to be weird to see because, again, did Anakin just leave him there? Because there's a, what, a good right. three days about, right, between Revenge of the Sith. It takes place over three or four days. Yeah. So he's got to be gone for at least four days. Right. So I'm trying to figure out that timeline. Like maybe We've talked this... about this. Ryan stop thinking about time in Star Wars. I know. <laughs> I just it's think not going like... to make sense, man. It's not going to make sense. Yeah. I, I one thing I did think of that I'd kind of like to see, just to kind of cement that Ahsoka sees how messed up the Jedi are, is if Anakin and Obi Wan ditch people dying on Mandalore to go save the Chancellor. Yeah, that's interesting. And oh, kind yeah. of do, like the Republic's bidding. Right, that they're no longer there to fight for good. They're there to fight for right. their team. You right. Because one thing that occurred to me about the, the white lightsaber thing was that Ahsoka kind of at this stage or, or at this point in our, in our in our big story is kind of the most pure Jedi of the bunch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and that her white saber, her white lightsaber is kind of the way that that's the natural state of the crystals is white. That's what they say. Right. Is that like she doesn't is that when she she, you know, she uh, we don't think we said this. she gets the six brothers. She blows up the six brothers lightsaber and takes his crystals. I do have a question. If she can do that, why don't. Jedi do that in every fight. I think it's really tough for her, though. I'm just saying, why don't they? Yeah, but she's, you know, when you're more powerful, why don't you just sabotage everybody's lightsaber? I mean, it was impressive she managed to beat him without one. Yeah. But but she takes his his crystals and instead of turning them red or blue, which would be the 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 gang colors of her old team, <laughs> they go pure white the way they're in in their natural state, the way they're supposed to be. And I thought that was interesting that since she's no longer Jedi, but she's out there using the force to help people and doing good for the sake of good and not for her team. I thought that was kind of an interesting way. It should raise lightsaber have been white at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Instead kinda, of yellow. I kind of took it as a, a purity of the force as well. Yeah, that she's kind of she, she hasn't lost the path the Jedi have. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that makes her character kind of enduring in, in one we're hoping or sounds like we're going to see in live action. Um, and since that came up, uh, I guess we've talked about it a little bit, but uh, are you excited for a live action version of this character? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Like, cause it's either going to be, it's going to go two ways. It's either going to be amazing or it's going to be God awful disappointing. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a middle ground with it. Um, I kind of don't want them to do it. You know, we've talked about before. I think I'd rather them keep her in animation. Um, But we'll see. I I actually 100% agree with Shrek on this one. I, I think it's cool and it could be awesome, but it also has the potential to be Horrible. I think my desire for more Ahsoka stories outweighs my fear of it being live action. 
I just want more of the character. I want to know more about her story. I want to know more of the story in general. And if I have to get that live action, we knew this was going to happen eventually. Yeah. That they were going to start doing this. And, and we were eventually going to get some animated characters, the more popular ones, comic characters are, you know, eventually going to feed into live action, especially with that story group and the way they've done doing a pretty good job. You know, maybe the history of the Alliance being uh, an exception, but doing a pretty good job of keeping this kind of synergistic storytelling happening. Well, I think it's baloney. As long as it stays in control. I think the saving grace could be that it is also a very, very different Ahsoka because timeline wise, she's going to be a completely different person. She's in a middle aged woman at this point, or I don't know how to grid an age, but, you know, she's older. So yeah, she's it's not the significantly same kid older, that yeah. we know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, she's going to be, well, I mean, it depends on, <laughs> I don't know, time. I'm trying to like calculate how old she would be. I mean, remember, things go slower in uh, different places. <laughs> in, okay. in the at least in her 30s. Oh, no, yeah, older than that. She'll well, be in her 40s, at least. Was she? I mean, she's... Uh, it's it's, it's going to be, what, th- this is, what, five years after Return of the Jedi? Yeah, so... Is Mandalorian? Roughly and 18, so, maybe why? So that's about nine years after we last saw her? Mm-hmm. Or it's five. No, last the last time we saw her was I guess technically the end of Rebels, so it'd be five years after that. Um, although I guess we don't know exactly what date her and Sabine go looking for Ezra, right? We just know it's after. Right. All we know is is it's between Force Awakens and Return of the Jedi. And see, it probably before the Mandalorian, and probably before the Purge of Mandalore, if we had to guess, right? It makes sense. I would assume so. Because uh, if she was there when the purge went down, I think it would have gone down a little differently. Right. Um, but uh, okay, cool. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's enough. I, I guess I um, I guess we should get to did we like this book and would we recommend it to someone who's especially uh, interested in this period of Star Wars or these characters? Ryan. Uh, absolutely, it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it to anybody. You don't have to have a lot of canon knowledge to enjoy it. Um, we did miss, however, the most important oh. piece of canon that was added to this book. Oh, no. What and I that is who found Ahsoka to bring her to the Jedi Temple. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. It's the greatest Jedi there is, Plukun. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that from Clone Wars? Plukun. I don't know if they've ever said it. No, I thought yeah. she said it. Uh, did she? Have, I yeah, I, I thought she said something about it, like why she cared so much about him was because he was the one who found her. But I did like that detail on that part too. That apparently there's people running around faking <laughs> being Jedi, like kidnapping kids. Yeah, that was pretty dark. <laughs> that was real dark. <laughs> yeah, like at first I was like, man, that's rough, and then I thought about it for a while. I was like, that is a great idea. That's a good scam. <laughs> yeah, good way to get some kids. <laughs> I mean, if if you're looking to get a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting scam. me some Jedi kid and going to Canto Bite, and it's party time. <laughs> and, and while you mentioned that real fast, there was a point where Ahsoka mentioned um, the little girl. I don't, I, I wrote her name down, but I don't see it. She had it was like nine syllables, whatever. But the little girl who was force sensitive, Ahsoka noticed mentioned that a lot of younglings tend to show affinity at an early age uh, for like one thing, and that's how they're discovered. Oh, yeah, I did think that was interesting. And I I thought that was really interesting because, you know, Anakin, obviously, it was his, like, reflexes. 
And with Ahsoka, instead, it was her empathy, uh, is what it said. That Ahsoka's empathy, her her kind of supernatural empathy, is what um, attracted people, what, what made her stand out as a force sensitive. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think it goes to a conversation we had Ryan over the Mandalorian about uh, the child's powers and how whether they're just innate. Right. Um, he just knows how to do it, and you know maybe maybe because he's a he's a Yoda, he's got multiple innate abilities. But I, I thought that was a little detailed that that it was her empathy that made her stand out. And I think that's kind of stood up over time as the characters developed. Um, so uh, next week, Ryan, what are we going to read for next week? Uh, next week we are going to get into, oh my gosh, I forgot the exact, I always want to call this one Rebel Rising, but it is not. No, it is, I read that one too. I read right. that one too. It is Rise of the Resistance. Um Rise of the Resistance is the Avengers Endgame of New Canon, <laughs> in which we bring in everybody from all the books together and figure out exactly how we went from the end of Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. If if you want to ke- keep up with that conversation, you're going to have to read um, everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then come listen, because it's, it's uh, going to be a ride. And then a- after we do rise of the resistance i think we're going to take a little trip back to the old expanded universe uh and look at some books from then that we think could maybe fit into this current canon and that even if they're not officially part of the story anymore are still really damn good books so i think that's gonna be our next step after that right Mm -hmm. okay cool all right well thanks everybody um let's uh that's enough for now right we'll see you next episode Sounds All right. Great. Everybody stay home. Stay, stay, stay safe. home. Stay safe. Bye. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.